Welcome to Get Your Rocks Off with Mick Wall, the world's leading rock and metal writer. Each fortnight, Mick will unpack rock and roll stories. Stories that you probably won't find in print. So pour yourself a Jack and Coke and get ready to get your rocks off. Welcome to another edition of Get Your Rocks Off. Get Your Rocks Off. John, you do it. Get your rocks Get off. your rocks off. Ah, oh, you see, you see. Uh, I am Mick Wall. He is John Hotton. Coco the Metal Pug is absent again today, but he will be back. A wall. He's kind of like Axel. Yeah. You, know, you, you never you, know. You don't know till he comes in if he's coming in or not. Because he's authentic. Yeah. That is an authentic metal pug. Yeah. You know, you might set a time and a place and he might agree to it and you may give him the big bucks to turn up. He might have signed a contract. But what does that mean to a, a guy nothing like... To nothing him. What does it mean to him? Yeah, nothing. nothing. What does it mean to him? Yeah. Nothing. You got, you got, nothing. A, you got a problem with him, contact his manager. Yeah. 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 You got a problem with what I just done? Contact my manager. Yeah. You got an issue? Yeah. Here's a tissue. Yeah. You can wipe my ass with it. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, hang on. You got an issue? Here's a tissue. You can wipe Coco's ass oh. with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm quite pleased he's not here. And that actually. is a big because you've got the curly tails, so you get a really good view of that <laughs> ass. That's some fucking ass. You know what I mean? And anyway, yeah. uh, so Coco's not with us. Not with us today. But you know, mentioning Axel. You know, there's this whole thing about, oh, Guns N' Roses is the most dangerous band in the world. Bullshit. Not true. Not true. Not true at all. Slash, run a mile from a confrontation. Yeah. Axel, one of, one of those guys who, who he talks it. Talk, yeah, guns or knives, motherfucker. Yeah. He talks then, it. He writes it down. <laughs> he does he do sings that. it. He does do that. He writes it down and then he sings it. And he is the king of mic drop. Yeah, but he, he? Does, but he doesn't mean it. No, he was doing mic drop yeah. before the rappers were... Yeah, but he was born. also wearing a kilt, wasn't he? He, was, uh, he did mic drop and a kilt. Yeah, That's the, he that, did it all. Well, which is fair enough. You've got to give him that. Yeah, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. But the real... Most, the real most, most dangerous, dangerous band, band on in the Earth. world. By a long way. Were. And I think we should have to say were at this point, because I... I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're sort of particularly. Done. Well, then they all signed a contract to say that they're not a band anymore or something. Who knows? We'll get to that. Something we'll get to like that. that. But Motley Crew, the crew, the, the crew. crew, the crew, as I call them, the crew, the crew, yeah, the crew. I kind of feel like we could end there. Yeah, that's it. And you would know. You would know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Motley Crew, and I think. Um, they were bad to the bone from the off, weren't they? <laughs> I think they were. I think they were. We were talking just before we started. I, I made the. I, I asked a ridiculous question, which was unusual for uh, me. Unusual for me. And the question was, "Have you got a copy of the Dirt here?" Yeah, I, I go to bed every night with the Dirt, reading the Dirt. I read it. I caress it. I, I, I nuzzle it. Yeah, and it's interesting in this day and age that. The dirt was really, uh, you know, the crew kind of rebroke themselves with the dirt, didn't they? They had their initial period of success, and then it all went completely wrong. You know, Nicky got involved in drugs or whatever it was, and yeah, oh, Vince I think left. He was involved in drugs. I think he was. I think it was Vince left. It was more Kurt yeah. Cobain, wasn't yeah. it? The killer of fun. There was that Vince left, and they got John Karabi, yeah. and you know, all of it. Yeah. It just all went wrong. But then they yeah. decided. What we'll do is we'll give you the the unvarnished version. We'll get a writer, in this case Neil Strauss, who, let's be honest, did a very clever thing with that book, structured it really well, did the interviews with each of the band. And even in the book, well, one of the things I love about The Dirt, even in the book is they're disagreeing with each other yeah. and they don't know what each other's said. Yeah, and they don't, great. you know, yeah. Well, because so, that's real. That's real, yeah, yeah. Although I, I do remember... Um, Doc McGee coming up with that great line about... Doc McGee, who was their manager. Was their manager there, and, their and, he, and he is in the dirt, isn't he? he? He is. He is interviewed in the dirt. And I said to him, you know, uh, mention the dirt. He goes, oh, yeah, some of it's true. Yeah. And I think that's probably true of the dirt, isn't it? I, I some of it's it is true. probably true of 
all books, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, yeah. My my meatloaf book. Did I mention I did a book on meatloaf no. two or three years ago? It's very good. You should yeah, very good. add it to your reading list. Very good. Make a note, make a note for yeah. your diary. Yeah, you must get the meatloaf yeah. book. Yeah. Um, begins. Uh, some of this happened. All yeah. of it is true. That's a good line. Which basically says some of this is true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. no one really knows. You know, yeah. it's, it's like when you leave here today. You know, I think well, most it, people listening will go, well, Mick was... will go, oh, thank God, yeah. But, but, <laughs> it's but John the, the, kept interrupting. You know, when the... Well, let's not go there again. But you'll Please, be remembering I'm being, it in a different way, won't I'm you? I'm being followed by this interrupting thing. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I no, told I you, didn't I, that, you know... No. It's just, it's following me now. I know. It, it will haunt you to your grave. Yeah. The great interrupter. The interrupter, yeah. yeah you've had the disruptor. Yeah. But you're the interrupter. Inter- yeah, the interrupter. Which is now I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. Was it because I interrupted you? It was, it was. And it, oh, it was about some of it. It's the old newspaper legend, isn't it? You know, when, you, when, you've, when you've got the, the, what is it, the truth and the story print the story. That's, that's the kind of guiding principle behind The Dirt and Motley Crue and Kerrang! and all of those things. Um, apart from me... Apart from Mick Wall, who just... Honest Mick Wall. Honest Mick Wall Brian, Brian May, May. Brian May of Queen accurate, accurately described him. Brian May of the rock band Queen. Queen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> right, so uh, Motley Crue. The I Crew. Mean, yeah, I, and the, the thing about Motley is, uh, and The Dirt kind of really illustrates this. Not, I mean, I'm not talking about any particular stories in The Dirt, which are all amazing, but the fact that... The Dirt becomes more popular probably than any of their records. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. To a yeah. degree. Yeah. And before they'd made any good records, they were putting records out, but I'm talking really good records. Before <laughs> they'd done any really good records, they, their story preceded them. Yeah. First time I saw them was at the Hammersmith Odeon in about 84. And um, all I had was those first two albums, neither one of which I thought was much cop. No. Um, but I went to see them live, and that's when it made sense. Right. Because they were fantastic. And they, re- and they had that thing that Guns would have later, which was they were like, they were like, um, they were like a movie come to life or a cartoon. Cartoon, to- yeah, yeah. Cartoon characters. Each yeah. one it's of that, them. Yeah, it was that great thing about band that Kiss always did really well, was like each one of them is their own sort of character. So you can identify with the one you think kind of most fits with your personality. But, but And Kiss, of course, were one of the sort of influences on Motley Crue in terms of that sort of presentation. Yeah. But where Kiss had this... Um, uh, contrived in the sense of created, yeah. designed. You will be the star child. I will be this guy. Um, <laughs> he nicely ran out after the star. <laughs> child. I know what the others called. Hang on. Yeah, star, what he, he, when he's copy, when he's copy, used to come into Kerrang. Just used to have a bracket saying, "Yeah, insert name here." <laughs> I used to subs insert name here. Yeah. Yeah. Insert band name here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And let's get back to my yeah. flight over. Yeah, there. yeah, let's get back to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know a consistent review I get on Amazon of all my books? I don't know if you know, I've, I've written a few uh, books. Oh, okay. Did you know Are that? Are they in the rock sphere? Very much in the rock yeah. sphere, yes. Yeah. And I remember, uh, this has happened with quite a few books, like my Metallica book and a few others, Foo Fighters, and you get uh, quite a lot of people going, yeah, I bought it, and it's just his opinion. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't tell us about the bat. It's just hit like it's just like it's his opinion. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, isn't that what a fucking book is? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. What do you mean, sort of? <laughs> no, it is. It is. What they're doing is they want an uncritical biography. Well, but you yeah. don't do those. Do I fuck? No, no. 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 Go- if you want an uncritical biography, Google. Mm, exactly. Wikipedia. Or, or buy, buy anything that says on it, the official biography. Yeah. The official um, biography of. Yeah. And you'll get the, you'll get the, what I call the varnished version. Unless I've written it. And, and Have then you it's... written any official ones? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's done it all. Oh, yeah. I, my very first book was an official book. It was the official biography of Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, not only did Ozzy not read it, 
He didn't even take part in it. Yeah. <laughs> Sharon did all... I kept turning up to interview Ozzy, and yeah. he was always uh, incapacitated. Yeah, otherwise disposed. Otherwise engaged. Yeah. Probably working on writing some more songs. Doing, he was writing songs. That's what he was doing, yeah. Or working on his vocal technique. Yeah, yeah, having uh, lessons, all that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So Sharon sat down and yeah. did all the interviews with him, which actually was way better. That would be way better, yeah. She can actually remember yeah, yeah, what happened. who yeah. I am, even, yeah, yeah. where we are. You yeah. Know. Um, yeah, there's that. Oh, uh, official, the official yeah. Marillion book. That oh, was of course, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the official Don Arden book. That was good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay, so look, I take Should back... I, I take would back, you like a, a, I take a back resume? My, I take back my official I'm happy comment. to give you a resume right Very now. good. But look, let's get Finishing back to... Finishing with my official Dio book, which comes out in July That's going to be very good. I'm looking forward to that. Very much so. Yes, very much so. Uh, where were we? Motley Crue in the dirt. Yeah. So so what we're saying is, is they presented as these four characters, oh, yeah, just, basically. Unlike Kiss, who went, well, this is what we're going to do. Motley Crue obviously embellished and built on, but essentially that's really... That's what they were. That was yes. really... That yeah. is and yeah. was really Tommy them. was the zany drummer. Zany. Yeah, That's yeah. a good name. <laughs> yeah. Zany. You mean like zany out the fuck of drum. control? Well, I mean, this is the thing about The Dirt. I'll keep going back to it, but it just... I mean, I think The Dirt came out in 2008. Am I, am I roughly... You're no, you're not even close. It's like 2001. Oh, okay. Even before that, so... We're talking two decades ago. Yeah, but, that. but it felt like it was a, a step on from um, the the a halcyon period of the eighties of Motley Crue. Oh no, they were they were dead. They yeah, were dead yeah. Well, but what I'm talking is that there there was water under the bridge, not just in terms of their careers, but in terms of the way we have moved along as a society. Similarly, since the Dirt was published, we have stepped forward. I hope you would say forward once again, and twenty years later. It is impossible to think that the dirt would be published now. <laughs> it is genuinely impossible to think that, because of you know the, it, it has that eighties morality about it, which celebrates you know incredibly bad behaviour. I mean, if you, I, but, I, I don't even think you could. But John, I, I wonder how you set about discussing some of those things now in the in but, all seriousness. But here's the thing, John. You're right when it comes to the book. But back in the 80s, and my first going to see Motley Crue coincided with me first becoming a regular contributor to Kerrang. Mm. Um, in fact, you know, I was very irregular to begin with. And um, one of the things I loved about when I went to write for Kerrang was that very same freedom you're talking about because uh, by 83, 84... You know, Thatcher's in power, Reagan's in power. We are at the beginning of Just Say No. We are at the beginning of major sponsorship coming in for rock and roll tours. We're at the beginning of CDs, MTV, the one album every two years. Everything was becoming corporate. And one of the reasons I really enjoyed when I first went to Kerrang! was that having spent years on Sounds magazine and similar things... Where it was all in, not it was right on. Mm. If you weren't punk, it wasn't that you weren't any good. You were just disgusting, disgraceful. Anybody that would like that music or or enjoy that kind of lifestyle was clearly a complete idiot and should be shunned from society. You know, the jam, Paul Weller was talking about how he didn't want to be big in America. (laughs) You know, because, because. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was what rockism was a thing you know you couldn't be remotely rock it was considered beyond the pale it was really just music for tasteless morons you wouldn't even have in the house yeah that's why i liked it and that's and that's why because my career begun as punk had begun and i was interviewing endless bands that were trying to be johnny rotten or joe strummer yeah yeah and they were all against everything and then one day I got sent to inter- uh, to review UFO. <laughs> and we ended up in a limo at yeah. a party where there were drugs and there were groupies and there were lots of people with money and it was fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So there was that back then. Um, but you didn't have Me Too, you didn't have He, She, They, Us, whatever it is. 
You didn't have woke. You didn't have people so easily offended. But they did take offence and they objected strongly. So, for instance, one of the reasons Kerrang! was such a huge success was because the NME wouldn't even write about these yeah. groups. yeah. Sounds was the last music weekly in the UK that would still cover these sorts of groups. but And it was from Sounds that Kerrang! came. But by the time I'd turn up in 83 or whatever it is, I'd never heard of Motley Crue. I'd yeah. never heard of any of these bands. Yeah. But suddenly I'm going to see them and I'm thinking, yeah, I, yeah, I want a band that rides a Rolls Royce into the swimming pool. I want private jets. I want motorcycles. I'm not even... Music? Oh, fuck off. Yeah. Anybody can listen to music. Yeah. Let's have a story. Well, Let's you, have a lifestyle. Exactly. Let's kick ass. Yeah. yeah, that is the thing about Motley Crue, isn't it? It's just like this kind of insane, out-of-control party coming towards you. I always said the, the worst thing about Motley Crue was the music. You know, the music almost, you know, yeah. it was almost irrelevant. As long as it sounded vaguely like rock music, that was fine. They could hang everything else off of it. I, I, I've always thought that... Well, definitely for me, they didn't make a record that I would want to sit at home and play or, or just put on and get a buzz, you know, till they made the Girls, Girls, Girls album. Um, uh, and, and there are a few tracks on that, but the two that I love are number one, Girls, Girls, Girls. Yeah. <laughs> love that yeah. song. Have you, yeah. And the video, of course, which it, has some girls in yes. it. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> they thought long and hard. And then filmed it in a strip club. But yeah. if you read the lyrics to Girls, 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 they're really good too yeah. because it talks about all these strip clubs they've been to around the world. <laughs> Crazy Horse in Paris, yeah. France. Yeah. And then there's one in Texas called The Doll's House or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, The Doll's House in Texas. You know, it's a whole <laughs> list of these places they'd been. Um, and I love, I just loved that. And then the one I really loved was Wild Side. Yeah, take a walk on the wild side. And here was what was quite punk about them. Vince couldn't really sing no more than Johnny Rotten or Joe Strummer or Ozzy no, could really no. sing. But Vince was perhaps worse. <laughs> Have you ever heard Vince singing Home Sweet Home? <laughs> I, I now love that song. I know, I know, but you, but if you see some of the live footage of him doing it, I'm <laughs> see these days that wouldn't matter. Cause we no, because you just have a tape. Yeah, but it's a, well, tapes, poor old Vince was. Another, sometimes he was out there on his own. This you know. is for another episode one day when, when you know, mm. we're about to retire. <laughs> but the amount of major rock stars, yeah, there's no touring yeah. at the moment, but have a proper singer in the wings these days. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is really common, yeah. and people don't realise just how common. But the tech is now such that if you don't, as a very famous rock guitarist said to me, Neil Sean, yeah. um, if you don't use the tech, then 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 people just think you're you're not very good anymore. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. Because everybody uses. Yeah, the tech. that's right. Yeah, and I don't know if they kind of what do they do, is the voice sort of auto tuned as they're singing now or something. I guess you've got banks yeah. of backing vocals, yeah, yeah. harmonies, keyboard, what they call washes, yeah. beds, yeah, all this stuff that on your laptop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's nothing wrong. I don't go. It's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people get very purist about. Oh, I want to. Yeah, I, do, I no, go to a sh go to a show. I want to see a fucking show. You yeah. know, I'm not. I don't care if the. Oh well, yeah, that bit of bass I recorded a couple of weeks. So what? You well, know, because that goes back to the kind of tradition of particularly with rock bands from the late 60s onwards. yeah oh that you had to be had live to be, man because you had to be good yeah, yeah if you yeah. weren't live it was because you couldn't do it yeah live. couldn't do it like yeah, so you're not yeah. really whereas even i mean we briefly mentioned yes the other the other week even they admitted there were bits of uh, of tales of topographic oceans they couldn't play you know because <laughs> it was so mad it was just... they they did but also i remember in i remember in the early to mid 70s the old gray whistle test which no one's ever heard of apart from us and yeah, you're yeah. too young to even have watched it but in the mid 70s i remember bob harris whispering bob yeah, harris yeah. who lives up the road from me hi bob um I remember him introducing, because there weren't a ton of videos in those days. They, they actually had a film clip of Yes on stage, but because all the songs they did were like 20 minutes long, they could only yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. And he goes, we've got a, a vintage clip of Steve Howe. And it was just basically a bit of Steve <laughs> Howe on acoustic <laughs> guitar. 
And I swear to God, he was drooling. <laughs> he was fucking drooling. His big old pup, sad puppy yeah. eyes. He had no hair, but it was as if he had long ears. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, vin, he was like, vintage Steve Howe. <laughs> Recorded earlier this year in Stockholm. You know, something like that. And it'd be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it goes back to that. So by the yeah. time you get to Motley Crue, oh, they yeah. can't play. Yeah. That's yeah. right. They're not fucking yeah. yes. Yeah, they couldn't. They, but they had the. But so you've got the four. So let's go through the four of them because it's worth doing because we're talking about they all had a character. So I don't got, mean to interrupt, but one last thing on Home Sweet Home. Oh, sorry. To, yes, sorry. At the end of an episode of Billions, which is a. Have you ever seen Billions, John? No, I don't subscribe. Too busy watching Mrs. Brown's yeah. Boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or what was that other one you like? Pinpoint. Pointless. Pointless, yeah. Um, no, Billions. Right. Anybody listening to this now, check out Billions. Okay, yeah. But at the end, because in the first season, the main guy, he goes to a Metallica concert and he's this billionaire, cool cat, and of course he's hanging out with Metallica. It's very funny. But they always have these little references. And at the end of one recent episode... It went into home, sweet home. And I thought at that point, I, thought, I fucking love that song. Yeah. I hated it back then because it was shit. You know? yeah, yeah. But now I love it because it's yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 home, sweet, sweet home. Sorry. So, well, so if we if we were to take each of the members of the group. Let's Tom, do that. Let's do that. Let's go Tommy first, the drummer. Okay. Again, that's an interesting first choice because if this was Led Zeppelin... You wouldn't choose Bonzo. You'd probably go, let's start with Jimmy Page. Yeah. Or, but in Motley Crue, it, it really wasn't the singer and the guitarist. It really was the drummer yeah, yeah, and the bass yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, they were the fucking the, the main stars animal, of the show in, of in the many show. ways. And Tommy, because he's this very intriguing character. I mean, obviously, yeah, he, he looks like a rock... Him and Nicky had these kind of weird rock star genes which were whatever the hell they did to themselves, whatever the hell they put inside themselves, it didn't seem to make any difference to how they looked. So when Nicky was you know, a pretty serious junkie, oh yeah, a pretty serious junkie to the point where he's writing Kickstart My Heart and all that, he looked like God. <laughs> he's, got, he's still got amazing skin. You're thinking, you're not the kind of heroin addict uh, you, know, you see knocking around London or something. You know? But So Tommy's got this kind of genetic generic rock star look um you know he, he, he crazy did it though didn't he because at a certain point when you said they're jeans i'm thinking of those leather chaps oh, the leather cha oh yeah, well, he, with, yeah with the he, bare arse he just wear those i, I mean, mean you're like, wearing no, no some shirt. right now yeah I'm, 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 and I'm i find that a bit disturbing to be honest it, i find I'm it so arousing. used to seeing your bare cheeks i find it arousing but he, but he, <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Tommy, what, when but, Tommy wears yeah, them but or he'd when be you wear them? both. <laughs> Tommy would just wear them. No, no shirt. I mean, you never no saw shirt. him in a shirt. Never Fucking, wore a shirt. What's did a shirt to yeah. a man like Especially Tommy? Especially if you lived in LA, didn't need a shirt. What do you what need shirt? a shirt for? And when you've got that physique. Yeah, exactly. You've got the rock stuff. And he's got this kind of sort of. Although they're, they're going around doing absolutely appalling things to almost everyone they well, meet. Well, you see, that word appalling, that's from a 21st century. From a 21st century perspective. Let, let, let's say that. But he's got this kind of happy-go-lucky, everyone's dude, and he's got this ridiculous romantic nature where he falls in love with practically any woman he meets. It might be for an hour, it might be for two years, but and then he's off marrying, you know, in, in succession, a bevy of, of actresses, models, you know, Pamela Anderson about three times or every time many times he married her, <laughs> Heather Locklear, you know, all of the kind well, of... Well, he stole Heather Locklear from Richie Sambora. Oh, did it? I thought it was the other way round. Oh, no, you're right. Sorry, yeah. that, you're right. It yeah. was the other because way round. Because he, he, he left Heather and went off with Pamela Anderson. And there's that great line where he goes... Um, no, I, I think Heather was already... Oh, okay. Well, what it means fiending it, for Richie. He goes. There's a great line where Tommy Lee goes, or allegedly ascribed to Tommy Lee in the dirt, where he goes, uh, "When you're on ecstasy, <laughs> he goes, Joan Rivers looks like Pamela Anderson. <laughs> so imagine what Pamela Anderson looks like." <laughs> and then he's making a he's making a sex video on mm. a boat on his honeymoon with Pam. As you do. Where they're both just. They seem to spend the entire three weeks or it was just nude on this boat. Dude, and, you know, dude, if you were... If, and, dude, and as a result was, of that, Tommy's endowment 
becomes almost the fifth member of Motley Crue. You know, everyone's heard about this thing. Oh, Tommy Lee. And he becomes known as... Are you as talking t- about his cock? I'm talking about T-Bone, which oh. he becomes known as, doesn't he? <laughs> Everyone starts calling him T-Bone when the... When I the, thought you were talking about mortgages when you yeah, said yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about Tommy... Let's, That's be, how let, old let's you call are. a cock a cock. cock. You're talking so about, Tommy's talking cock. About Tommy's, Tommy's ass. Tom- you're talking about his cock. cock. And his cock then takes... I mean, his cock could have had its own TV show at that <laughs> You know, it's like it's the, fifth, it's the fifth member of the band, it's you know, literally, it's certainly a member. So that, that, that's Tommy. Then you go to Nicky. Now, here's the complete opposite. Dark, troubled, doesn't try to cover that up. Nihilistic, dangerous, all of those things. But also very tall and clearly a rock star yeah. like Tommy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not employing those in a kind of, again, you, you, know, you made the punk comparison and nihilism was a big part of punk, he's not doing it in that sense at all. He's more the sort of doomed youth, you know. Um, There's something gothic almost. Yeah, almost gothic. And it transpires later that he's had this tremendously troubled childhood. Of course he's fucked up after everything that's happened to him, you know. And he doesn't try and hide that. And he self-medicates with drugs, you know. But he's, again, talking about his sort of genetic celebrity... He's surviving all of this somehow and becoming more and more famous, more and more good looking, you know, more and more desirable through all of this stuff. I find I do I find him very true. I find him a genuinely interesting person because he's the one who comes up with the whole ideas for crew, the aesthetic he's for crew. He's the Jimmy Page of He's the, the Jimmy Page, he's but he's the playing Steve the bass. Yeah, the he's playing the bass. He's, you know, so he's doing all... So he's sort of terrifically interesting at that point. And you think if crew's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong because of Nicky and Nicky will kill himself or whatever. That isn't what happened because... In the other in the other hot seat, you got fucking Vince Neil. Right. Well, hang on, hang on. Before we go any further, I'm going to draw a line. I'm going to snort. A, no, I'm going to draw a line between Nikki and Tommy. Yeah. And where we're going to go next, which is Vince and Mick, because again, you know, Motley Crue really kind of turned the tables here in rock orthodoxy. Mm. I was trying to think of other bass players that were the star of the show. Phil Liner. Yeah, Steve Harris. Well, Steve Harris, but Steve also has very strong front men, doesn't yeah. he? I oh, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, um, you know, for me, Nicky was easily the dominant presence on stage mm. in, the, in the early, in the, in the 80s. And then Nicky, uh, and then Tommy. Yeah. Vince would be out front, but I, he, my eyes, you know, your eyes always go to the front mm. man. I couldn't take my eyes off Nicky. He just had that in that amazing charisma. And Mick Mars was kind of like the anti-guitarist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Now, Mick is, a, I think, a very good guitarist. But in those days in particular, the kind of, you know, you pretend you know, oh, yeah, yeah, well, Mick's crap and Vince can't yeah. sing, but Nicky's a genius and Tommy's out of control. That That's that's the glue of Motley yeah, Crue. Yeah, yeah. But in fact, it's not true because Mars was is a very good guitarist. But he just did not have any charisma outside of that Uncle Fester. Yeah, look, and and, and but the, I mean, here's the thing: yes, he was a good guitarist, but in LA at that time, you couldn't walk down the street without bumping into six guys who were good guitarists. You know, everyone could play. The, so it's interesting that Crew always stuck with Mick when it wasn't the obvious thing to do. It's you know, it's obvious from day one that he's a lot older than they are. Yeah. He's been knocking around the rock scene for quite some time, you know. And it, it, but even by the time they become famous the first time around, he ain't looking the best because he's got this scoliosis and he's got this um, illness whereupon his, uh, his back is seizing up. Oh, and, right, yeah, right, right, and, right. And, and, and that's what makes him quite hunched. I think he now finds it quite difficult to play guitar because it's sort of got as far as the fact it's impairing his you know, impairing his hands as well. But so he's, you know, and you're right, he's got the, he wore a top hat, didn't he? He started wearing a top hat. Yeah. I'm going to say yes, yeah. because that's but, true. But so he, he wore probably, kinds of stuff, I mean, he? sort he? of looked like Alice Cooper, didn't he? He sort of had the very long, straight black hair, white makeup. He looked like Alice Cooper's fat sister. Yeah, probably, yeah. Older. Yeah, yeah. older. <laughs> <laughs> older. Uglier. Yeah. So he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mick, in, in, when they play gigs, he'd just stand there. 
he didn't do anything. He would just stand there, wouldn't he? he wasn't which, which was the right thing to do yeah, because yeah. Nicky's the star. Yeah, Nicky is not known as the greatest bass player, yeah. but he's the greatest rock yeah. star. And Tommy's drum <clears throat> kit's turning upside down. Well, by the, the time you get to it. Girls, 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 I yeah. think he's got the rotating drum kit, or did he have it before then? Oh, I, I, I think was, Girls, Girls, yeah, girls. probably Girls, Girls, Girls. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, um, just to say, yeah, mm, sorry, you're right. Those two are, you know. The, the, the dividing line of the band does go in the opposite way to most groups. You know, the singer and the guitarist are not necessarily the big stars here. No, definitely not. Yeah. Although we, when I look back on them now, uh, my feelings are entirely different to what they were at the time because when they were doing Theatre of Pain, Shout at the Devil, all that stuff, I, I really did just think, well, this is kind of bubblegum metal for MTV. Yeah. Um, you know, the second album, they had to do a cover of Smoking in the Boys' Room because they didn't have a hit song on yeah, the record. Yeah, 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 um, But by Girls, 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 they've rectified that. But they just had this quality that, um, you know, Kiss had in the very early days, New York Dolls. Uh, but even even you know, Alice Cooper is a very close example but I think also they did love that glam era. They're, they're, I mean, me and Nicky are the same age. So I was 14 when I fought, bought my first single by The Sweet. Yeah. Blockbuster yeah. or uh, uh, Hellraiser. And Nicky, you can t so see that in the Motley Crue Very DNA. Much, yeah, yeah. But that's Nicky brought that in. I don't think that was Vince. I oh, don't think that was Mick. Vince, no. I, I, wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a clue what Vince brought in. I don't think he bought anything. <laughs> I really don't. I don't think he bought anything other than being Vince Neil, which was great. I mean, we're we're kind of saying, yeah, Nicky was the real star, which he was. But Vince was a good front man, you know. Oh he was, fuck yeah! He, he was like he did the thing, you know. It, 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 it's a bit like boy bands where you get the sort of the quiet one, the yeah. blonde one, the yeah. you know, whatever. Well, Vince is the blonde bombshell in this, isn't he? You know, all the others are dark. So, Vince is blonde. So Mick is the quiet one. Yeah, quiet as the grave. Yeah. <laughs> Vince is the blonde himbo. Yeah, very much so. But very yes. much kind of in the tradition of, say, an Aussie or a David Lee yeah. Roth. You don't go and see this guy to hear Dio-esque beautiful vocals. No. You go because he's a character. Yeah, he's a front man. He's if, have, if, but, if he turned up at your party, either you're going to call the police on yeah, yourself yeah. or well, you know you're going to have a party. Well, look, here's the thing. Is that, yeah, we were saying that it looked like it would all go wrong because of Nicky, but it all goes wrong in context it goes wrong because of vince when he causes the car crash vehicular manslaughter all of that stuff yeah it's him that derails the band first uh, he did well let's recap i mean i think it was was it like january 85 something like yeah. that hanoi rocks arrive in la mike monroe he's broken his foot or his toe or something so they're they're touring i think it's like the pretty much the first time Hanoi had done a tour of America and they'd had to cancel some shows because he's broken his toe or something. Right, right. So they beach up in LA because the idea is that it will get better and they will continue. Yeah. So literally Hanoi rocks arrive in LA in what, 84, 85. Motley Crue have just come off the road and they start hanging out. Yeah, they I hang mean, out. Wow. And it, 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 I think it's quite well described in the dirt, I think, where they're at a sort of beachside mansion. I can't remember if it's Vince's mansion or it might be Mick's. I can't remember. Because there's <laughs> everyone in the dirt gets these amazing scenes where <laughs> the thing that happens to Mick Mars is he walks into the sea <laughs> and ends up looking like a, a oh, whale has okay. washed up on the, <laughs> on the shore. Why did he walk into the sea? I don't know. Sea? We don't know. Was Why he holding he? back the waves? Yeah, we don't know. Again? We don't know. But he, mm. he ends up this black, people think a dolphin or something has washed up on <laughs> Those All the others, you know, walrus seals. you know, Tommy's on a boat with Pamela Anderson at this point. You know. Mick Mars it, is unconscious, Mick, Mick, yeah, washed, Mick up, Mars on is the washed shore. up on a beach. Yeah, mm. yeah. But, but but Vince, Vince, he's hanging out with uh, with with Razzle, Razzle the drummer, of Hanoi, yeah. the English drummer yeah. of Scandinavianish group Hanoi Rocks. Yeah, and and the the tragedy occurs. They you know they go to get drunk, more They go to get more booze. Vince drives, causes this car accident, which kills Razzle which badly injures the two people that he crashed into. And I think he ends up... And he, and he ends up going to jail for like 30 days. 30 days. There was... 
during which I was told that the guards were so thrilled with him that they were bringing him beer, getting him laid. Right. He yeah. just had a great 30 days. He had a great time. He, you know, dude, yeah. Yeah. Pa- I love your pad with the bars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It probably took him about 15 days to realise he was there. And then yeah. 15 days 15 to days get days high party and, and then get home, yeah. A lot, so, I mean, lot of money changed hands. Yeah, which, you know, it is America, isn't it? That's, mm. you know, pretty much what happened. But you do feel that karmically it didn't play out you know, You're, that's an interesting point. I'd never really thought about that, but I guess like, not till not... later. Not till later. I mean, yeah, I really don't want to. I mean, it's a stupid no, idea. I think it's a stupid Crew did have that aura of um, this is all going to end badly. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. But well, somehow they survived this quite serious event. Well, they do that. They do the girls, girls, girls album, and Vince actually, as part of his deal, has to have regular checks to see if he's taking drugs. And he spends the obviously not all of it, but by the time the tour starts, Vince is supposedly the sober one. Right. Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. And the girls, girls, girls tour was where they used to have the the pen of girls oh, backstage. Yeah, yeah. you I can see Johnny's cringing. I'm going, now. I'm going, I can't. I just it's not cringing, but it's just like you remember that and you think, did that really happen? Hell yeah! But it did. Hell it did. yeah! They had a pen full of semi, well, practically naked girls. Yeah. On stage. What? I mean, what's not to like? Yeah. No. Okay. All right. I, I'm, I'm joking, but not really because okay, Motley Crue had it all up front. Yeah. You know, not only I mean, are we, it was on the show. Girls, this girls, this is girls. what we are. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, a essentially a, a jail cell pen. <laughs> yeah. Full of girls who've yeah. all gone in there, by the way, voluntarily. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it becomes part of their legend. Yeah. But let me tell you, you know, I, I, as you, as did you, we, we worked with a lot of, all, all the major bands back then, and they might not have had a pen, but trust me. Oh. They were not yeah. gentlemen. Yeah. Absolutely true. Um, but Motley Crue kind of turned it into their thing. Yeah, so why you couldn't go, well, that, well, it was that Vin- album is it, as good as was, the fourth well, Led Zeppelin let's album. Say, it was Vince's thing, wasn't it? It was very much. It was Vince's thing. You know, Mick Mars was... Didn't Mick Mars ended up at the point where he married one of the backing singers and then... On the ac- Dr. Feelgood album. And then accidentally shot her. Yeah. He, hang on, this I don't that, know. Yeah, is that he, in the dirt? That's not I'm in the sure dirt. I'm sure it is. Well, he shot... Yeah, accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> Could happen... <laughs> I mean, if happened. we hear a gunshot go yeah. off right now, it's because I've accidentally yeah, shot you. Yeah. They that were, could happen to anybody. They were doing some sort of target thing in the desert. <laughs> they were what? They were doing a target... <laughs> Something like... Look, Mick do- Mars Doctor, in the desert. Doctor, That's like saying Dracula in daylight. Dr Google is your friend here. <laughs> It was something like that. Are you that. sure you're not just having I, I, some kind of seizure? Some, some kind of episode. Mick Mars shot his own girlfriend. I do know that. Was she I dressed as that. a nurse at the time? I think she was dressed as a nun. Are you I, no, sick? I don't oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> you heard no, it, it here that, first. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never knew about the nun incident, but yeah. you bringing that up means yeah. it's a fact. A fact. A fact. A fact. Mick Mars does that. Nicky's this kind of dark, tortured soul. Mm. He, he's very much more into drugs than women at this point, as he stresses in the yeah, dirt. And yeah, he's, I think he's, his follow-up to the dirt was the snappily titled The Heroin Diaries. <laughs> you know what that one's going to be about, you know. Keeping a diary? Yeah, keeping a diary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which obviously heroin addicts are very keen to do. But they, but they, this is why I loved them. I love them more now. Than I did then because I was still I was in my twenties, so I was still wrapped up in that idea of well, this is you know, bad behaviour. I'm all for that, mm. but back it up. Yeah, you know, like like the the Keith Moon drives a motorcycle down a. Yeah, have you heard? I mean, not all the Who albums, but have you heard one get? Well, so you mean in a weird way, the fact that these terrible things happen to them, it it kind of makes them more authentic. I think um, at the time, I held it against them that. Um, to me, you know, there was nothing they were doing musically that, that had any substance. And then after Girls, 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 I was cutting them some slack in that regard. And then Dr. Feelgood, I went all in on that because I thought that yeah. was a really great rock album. Um, but 
their career was nearly over by then. That was like the peak. And then after that, it starts to kind of go down. Well, they, they, I mean, this is where, again, you kind of, you don't want to see it all through the eyes of today, but that, the, the Japan tour and the famous snow on the roof incident that we'll talk about in a minute. They're supposed to come over to the UK to tour. Two nights at Wembley Arena. Two nights at Wembley Arena. Before, arena. before that, they're in Japan and they are just out of control to the point where yeah, Doc's still their manager at this point. Yeah, isn't he's he? there. He, he, ends up, he ends up actually in jail. With in, yeah, exactly. So, and, and, but they are, to all intents and purposes, unmanageable at this yeah. point. They're yeah. out of control. And though there's a lot of kind of Again, oh, it was great, it was funny, you know, this happened and that. There was a lot of kind of dark stuff going on at it that really point. Was. The whole, the, the sort of the famous trip on the bullet train, which was turned into this kind of zany adventure. Oh, crew are on the bullet train, they just run onto the platform and escape the Japanese. In reality, someone's chucking around full bottles of whiskey and some poor bloke on the train gets his head stoved in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, was it, it Nicky through the bottle? Or I, I can't. I, it was one. You know, was it was it one of. It was one of them. It wasn't all of the salary men <laughs> going to work. You know, it wasn't it an was, accidental yeah, bottle it, of no, jack that yeah, flew through the yeah, air into the man's yeah. skull. So that you know, yeah, that stuff is happening, uh, and it's not all fun and games at this point. It's pretty fucking dark, you know. And also, what we didn't know at the time, but we found out soon after, was just before they went to Japan. At uh, the end of 87, they'd done the American tour. Guns N' Roses had been opening for them. And they come back to L.A. And that's the night Nicky, Slash and Stephen Adler all overdose through uh, shooting up heroin. Uh, Nicky pretty much wakes up in the ambulance. Uh, and, hen- and then later, hence the song, Kickstart Kick My Heart, Heart, because he'd been technically dead for a minute or two. That all happens... And then they go to then Japan. Then they go to Japan. So they're, they're, they're kind of on the downward spiral very much as they even hit Japan. And, you know, Japan is, I know we've spoken before, but it's a very weird place to tour. It's a very, you know, if you, would, if you had just been on tour in America and you suddenly went to Japan, there's a big culture shock there. It's a mm. very different country. Everyone behaves very differently. The well, gig, everyone behaves. Yeah, everyone behaves, yeah. The gigs are on at very different times of six the day. The you know, six in the evening. So you're done by eight. Yeah. What are Motley Crue going to do? Probably, uh, after probably got, warm go back milk to, and yeah, cookies go back, and yeah, bed. Yeah, you know, that ain't going to happen. You know, they're Dude! All, yeah, they're already frazzled and mad and out of control, you know, and then the, this happens to them. It's crazy. So Doc realises... You know, uh, is that the famous line in the dirt where Doc goes, I, I, I thought we were going, they were going home in body bags. Right. That was his right, quote, wasn't right. it? I can't um, remember. But it, I, it was, it was something like that. And I think it, specifically he was talking about Nicky, but yeah. it could, yeah, could have, anything could have happened to any of them, basically. So he decides, the only thing I can do is pull the rest of the tour mm. because these guys just need to go, you know, wherever it is that you put rock stars who have just hit rehab. The, rehab. They're it's just, where they went. Rehab. Yeah, they have hit the buffers hard here. You know, and um, well, first and, Vince is killing people, yeah, and now Nicky's you know, killing himself. Yeah, yeah. Tommy is. I mean, the, the other thing is is to get. We have to kind of get across the level of their fame at this point. Mm. They've done that thing that not all rock bands do. Guns N' Roses would subsequently do it, where they've kind of leapt out of just being a rock band. And they're, even in America, they're tabloid fodder. The fact that Tommy is married to, you know, successively Heather Locklear and then Pamela Anderson gives him a whole new level of fame. He's in, you know, Us magazine. He's in People magazine. He's in the National Enquirer pretty much every week because it didn't take a lot to get a good sort of paparazzi snap of Tommy in his chaps and nothing else. You know, hanging out with Pamela who was practically wearing a bikini wherever she went. Just wearing his chaps and Pamela Anderson. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So they're on another level of fame at this point. And, And Doc... Yeah, probably as an afterthought, thinks, Christ, well, we've got to, you know, the, the kids, the fans, we've got to say something. So who's the only member of the band who can even speak at this point? <laughs> Mick Mars. Mick Mars. Let's get him on the phone to his old mate and namesake, Mick Wall. That's right. Another, let, another one of my yeah, famous interviews. To let the kids know what's going on. <laughs> I remember doing that. Uh, I, I very rarely did anything in the Kerrang! office. 
But um, that's this, right. This, it was in the Kerrang office. And this, right. was, and this was, and um, this was, we were having our own apocalypse now on Kerrang, because uh, Kerrang went weekly in November '87, yeah. and as part of gearing up for that, about three quarters of the staff <laughs> left <laughs> to go and work at Metal Hammer. Yeah. And so it was all hands. I think I was about the only well-known one that stayed. And um, so I take over as news editor from Malcolm Dome, who's mm. gone. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking for a bright young mind to, uh, that I can train up. Yeah, a young boy. A young boy, yeah. fresh from the... From the streets. <laughs> Straight from the ghetto. Yeah, yeah. I took this young I mean, boy from the ghetto and I trained him up in the ways of metal. His name, and that boy... That boy became... Well, if I told you he now lives equidistantly between Brian May <laughs> and Roger Taylor, yeah. you would know. And, 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 yeah. Yeah. And his name is John Hotton. Exactly. That, that's another clue. That, that's another clue, yeah. So between, between... So I'm sitting there at the feet of the master. At, as I conduct a news interview. That's why they, and, I got it. And it with Mick As Mars. I remember, it was... I mean, obviously, it was winter at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was like, d- deep midwinter. So it's been dark since about two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> but, so I remember it was dark. And I used to bring about six cans of beer to work yeah. every day in those days. I haven't started drinking yet. This is just yeah. office beer. Yeah. You know? And I get to talk to Mick at about probably five or six at yeah. night because of the time difference. And we've already heard what's been going on in... We haven't heard about the OD yet, but we've heard about... We, yeah, we know, the it's, be, train. We know it's being cancelled because of they, they can't do the tour, basically. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I'm talking, and he, he starts telling me they've had to cancel the shows because of the snow on the roof. There were concerns. <laughs> Some PRs obviously taken Mick yeah. into a room. Now, Mick, yeah. I know you've never done an interview yeah. before because yeah. no, no one, one wants, wants to, to talk to you. <laughs> they just want Nicky yeah. or Vince or yeah. Tommy. Yeah. When we offer you, they go, nah, we'll, we'll leave it till next time. So, th- so you have to get across the fact that the only reason these shows are postponed is because of the concerns over snow yeah, the atmospheric on the roof. conditions. <laughs> that roof could come in at Wembley Stadium. Imagine snow on the roof at Wembley. Now, Can you imagine do, what's going to happen? <laughs> all he had to do was say, like Jimmy Page's, his excuse that he's used every time, oh, I hurt, I hurt my finger. You know, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. After, oh, we'll be back as soon as I can, yeah. Um... But no, they've come up with this fucking stupid story. Yeah. And it's just the short straw they've got me and not some metal Motley crew fan. Yeah. Oh, okay, Mick, yeah, snow yeah, on the yeah, roof. Yeah. Yeah. And I've gone, snow on the roof? <laughs> what the fuck? What about what happened in Japan? He hangs up on me. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh, I've gone too far. Maybe mentioning the bullet train was yeah, yeah, too far. Yeah. But I, I start thinking, is anybody playing at Wembley tonight? So I do it because I think he's gone. So I start doing a bit of checking around, and yeah, there's a band there tonight. There's well, a band there. To, to be honest, we're like about four miles away from. <laughs> you just look out the window and yeah. see it's not snowing. Yeah. I think it had yeah. been snowing the week before <laughs> yeah. or something, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I'm thinking, oh well, that's got. Next thing, the phone goes. He's back. Wow. And he's like, I, I I don't know what happened. I think we got cut off. I think. <laughs> yeah. no, I think you fucking hung up. Yeah, and I yeah, said, don't yeah. snow. Are you fucking yeah. kidding? And he just backtracked. I was like, well, I'm not sure about the snow. You know, I, somebody mentioned it. I don't know, you know. <laughs> and so by this point, I'm like, because in those days you'd talk to them all the time. So it wasn't yeah. like, I'll make the most of this. It was, get fucker off the phone, you know. And then I wrote the story and we were all sneering. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it was like we all wrote that. That yeah. story wrote itself. Wrote, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now it's part of the folklore. It's, yeah. But we're... Running short of time, so let, let's move this along. The the for me, the apotheosis, the kind of ooh, the that's peak. Oh, that's a good word. The peak from which Mr. Um, Dictionary. <laughs> no, we, we now join Mick Wall in Dictionary Corner. <laughs> Welcome to the Thesaurus yeah. Weekly. With, What's another word for the for, for, for can't Thesaurus? Even, can't even say it. Go on, carry on. Um, Doctor Feelgood. Still love that track. That's a feel good. I wanted them to use that as the intro music to this podcast, but apparently it would have cost mucho dinero. But the thing is, he does that Aussie thing of just singing along to the riff, doesn't he? 
He's the one that's going to have to feel good. They're going to make you feel all oh, right. <laughs> hey, Bob, can you uh, yeah, tweet just, that? Just yeah, yeah, that yeah, tweet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they were all straight when they were making that. They were all still they in did. They, they moaned like hell because they were sent to, was it Canada or somewhere with Bruce Fairbairn? Yeah. And... I mean, they were, it was a great bit of management on Doc's behalf, probably, or whoever was managing them at that point. Just put them somewhere where they, they, they can't do any damage, you know. Well, the thing was, Aerosmith had just done the same thing, I right, think, a few right. months before. Mm. They'd all been in rehab, come out straight, mm. and this was kind of the, the logic. Um, but the first thing they do as the album is released is they do the Moscow Music Peace Festival. Yeah. Yeah. And this does become the, apocal- the apocalypse osis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Doc was telling me um, uh, quite recently, oh. he was saying that by the time we got to Moscow, he said, I just was so sick of them. Yeah. He said, they just weren't fun anymore. He said, yeah, they were straight. He said, but I actually preferred them when they were completely out of control because yeah. at least it was fun. Yeah. But now they're in Moscow, their yeah. first show they're after bored. rehab. This anti-drug, anti-substance abuse festival. And, of course, all the other bands are getting out of control and fucked up and Motley can't. Although Doug Thaler, who was the co-manager, yes. told me also quite recently, he said even on the plane over to Moscow, Tommy was already cheating. Yeah. So, oh, sneaking, that was the word. Yeah. Tommy was already sneaking. Yeah. Yeah, because, because, spoiler alert, people, <laughs> they don't stay straight for that no, long. Yeah. no. Yeah. Just when you thought there was a happy Just when you ending. thought, this is it, yeah, they obviously gave up and that was it, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> no, they didn't. So we're, we're, we're coming to the end of this, but I feel, I feel there's like a second we've hardly, episode. We've hardly started. I feel there's a second episode, don't you? Yeah, well, I've not even mentioned my close personal friendship with Nikki Six. This, well, John, I was just... Funny you should say that. Yeah. You, must have, you must have read my the research yeah. I did before the show, you know. Yeah. Um, Please. Well, the time on. he came looking for me with a baseball oh, yeah, bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, go on, go on. Well, no, he came to review the singles at Crank. <laughs> First what l- idiot. Last episode, what it was idiot. Nelson. Now it was Nikki. What and, and idiot. And like Nelson, what did Nikki bring a guitar and what? sing no, to you? No, Nikki didn't bring a guitar. <laughs> Nikki bought a baseball bat. <laughs> and why was because, that, John? Well, because Nikki was. Peeved, I think was the word. Were you starting shit and spreading lies and ripping off the kids? Yeah, that's what I was doing. (laughs) I was in the background to this was the whole Matthew Tripp story. Matthew Tripp was a uh, a guy from Florida who claimed to have been Nikki Six's doppelganger. We won't go through that whole story now, but that was the story that I wrote for Kerrang. And Nikki did Nikki for whatever reason didn't feel it was true. And, just to uh, recap, just yeah. in case, because we, we have mentioned this before, but it was a while yeah, ago. Yeah. And we're not ones to repeat. We, we wouldn't. St- we would oh, never, never. We never do never, that. And we never. would never tell, tell tales out of school no, either. God knows. God no. knows. But Matthew Tripp presented himself as... Well, you know this better than anybody. Okay, well, I mean, you're the, the one that the broke er, the story the, yeah, to the world. The, the early the days... You're the only one that ever yeah, believed yeah. him, let's be honest. With the early... What, what, it's, it's, I'll come to what I believed in a minute, but... Um, his story was that in the early days of Motley Crue, so this is just before Theatre of Pain comes out, so they've made one album. They're still a support act, but it's kind of obvious they're going to do pretty well. Mm. And uh, they're already being managed by Doc at this point. And Nicky Six, the real Nicky Six, Frank Ferrano, incurs some sort of injury. It was a car crash or something. Something. Something happens. And in order to keep the band on the road, because they're just about to break big, they're on tours and all that, Doc thinks, right, I can't take them off the road. I'm just going to get some guy who was Matthew Tripp, who said he was recruited by Mick Mars, <laughs> undercover agent. <laughs> right, and, and, and Matthew did kind of look weirdly a bit like Nicky Six, especially once he had them. They all wore the makeup at that time, so he put the makeup on. And this is 1981. You didn't see them on MTV all the time. You didn't. The only time you sort of saw what they really looked like was in a magazine. So if they come to your town, they've got the makeup on, they play a show and they go... It's sort of feasible that someone could be. Is it, John? Yeah, is, is it, it John? I didn't care if it was true or not. It was a brilliant story. <laughs> Who's going to not write that story? By that point, Matthew's got a detective. He's sending us pictures of 
Motley that Ross had done his classic Motley Crue shower shot. You oh know? yeah, yeah. And it's like Nicky and Tommy <laughs> in the shower, but Nicky's foot is different here, and his belly button is different. <laughs> and he's comparing belly buttons, and here's my belly button, and here's Frank Ferrano's. So it's like brilliant. I mean, it's manna from heaven, you know. So we run this story. Nicky goes off the deep end, obviously, you know, doesn't like it. But Trip kind of gets this. Yeah, it, it comes to ruin his life eventually, and he's dead now, sadly. But it's just one of those things that could only have happened in that time and place. And I think if anyone asks whether I believed it, what I would say is uh, I believe that Matthew believed it, and that's the kind of best you can say yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, but, I think that's a, yeah, that's a fair yeah. summation. But uh, to get back to Nicky at that point, so Nicky's... But Nicky's read Nicky, this, Nicky, this well, no, world no, exclusive. No, he's already had a go at me at the time of Dr Feelgood when I interviewed him. He's already had a go at me at that point oh, and threatened really, to punch me. What did Ray, he say? That was at Ray Palmer's studio. He goes, you wrote some shitty things about us. He said us. And I thought, and I thought well, what do you mean is me, don't you? Um, but, I mean, I, thought, I honestly thought he might punch me at that point. He didn't. And I thought, oh, that's it. We've faced up to each other. We've seen each other. <laughs> He's not got, you know, because I, I thought there's a, probably a chance he would just go straight for me. You know, he didn't. He did the interview. You're lucky it wasn't He was very sad. Vince would have gone straight for me. Vince, I think, was like oblivious that this even happened, you know, yeah. luckily. Hey, so Nicky wasn't in yeah. the band? But this Who is, knew? But this is at the point where, this is, a, I think the singles thing was maybe a year or so later or maybe even slightly later than that. So things have calmed down a bit. You so the wish. baseball bat was semi-ironic. What he did was... Semi-ironic? Yeah, what he did was one of the singles under review was by Fish, who'd gone solo by that point. And whoever was doing this, they're in, some, they're in the corner of the room doing the reviews, you know, they used to... Whoever was doing it, I can't remember who it was, obviously said to Nicky, oh, Joe, John Horton likes fish. He's fish's mate, you know. <laughs> so Nicky gets the baseball bat and he smashed up the, the Fish single... <laughs> But brilliantly, he then wrote it. When I came back from lunch, because I'd gone to lunch or something, you know, lunch back in the day. Um, when I came back hang after on, lunch... Hang on. Let, 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 you said, Nicky, hold the baseball bat. I'm off to... Oh, I'm just I nipping out. I will be back. I will be back. I've got to leave by four. Yeah, I'm off by four today. <laughs> but, but so pointless. But they were there, you know, they were there. And I went out and then came back and they'd just gone to do whatever it was they were doing next. Drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but on my desk was the smashed up Fish single, and on it he'd written in pencil, he'd written to John, you're next, Nicky Six. <laughs> <laughs> and I had it for I had it for years, oh, and fantastic. I lost it, which is a real shame. I had it for a real long time. Yeah, Nicky was um, not just the boss of Motley Crue; he was the boss of LA for a while. I mean, um, in my eighties um, LA days. You know, if Nicky showed up somewhere or you went somewhere and Nicky was there, um, it was an event. Yeah. It was an event. Yeah. In fairness, he didn't really, he wasn't, he wasn't this guy that you would see everywhere. You'd see Axel everywhere, but you wouldn't see Nicky. But then he would turn up somewhere and it was look out, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I remember one, being somewhere once and Nicky and Slash were there. <laughs> God. And, uh, yeah. and Slash was very much the kind of junior partner, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, I remember Nicky kind of giving Slash a lecture about carrying around the bottle of JD all the time because Nicky had just cleaned up. Oh, right. Yeah. And then one of Slash's friends, I remember saying, uh, that person saying to Nicky, Yeah, think back, Nicky, think back, Nicky, to you when you were at that stage. You know, I don't know why I did that accent. <laughs> <laughs> think back, Nicky. And he was like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I just think he shouldn't be drinking so much, you know. Maybe that was Matthew Tripp. It doesn't sound like (laughs) (laughs) That was when he was, yeah, Matthew was... Tonight in the role of Nicky Six (laughs) will be Matthew Tripp. All right, we're going to end on this. Oh, okay. I think, I'm sure you will agree. No, you're not sure I'll agree because you don't (laughs) know what I'm going to agree to. I'm sure I won't get to the end of this story because you will fucking interrupt, okay? Um, their career, like the careers of Poison and Rat and all these other people, um, really took a hammering uh, come Nirvana and Grunge. Um, but it, it Yeah, but who's around with, now? But No, absolutely. But yeah. you know, Vince left, was fired, whatever. And they bring Karabi in. 
and that contributes to their downfall. And I think I think it was a perfect shitstorm in the sense mm. that whether you were Joe Elliott of Def Leppard or Axl Rose or John Bon Jovi or Nicky Six or whoever, you had to respond to this new reality, as it were, of the grunge thing. Um, and I think with Karabi, I think they'd also been painfully aware of their kind of lack of musical credibility, for want of a better phrase. And I think they saw that as an opportunity to go, OK, we are still Motley Crue. I mean, they called the album with Karabi, didn't they? Motley, Motley Crue, yeah, yeah. But we are a Motley Crue that makes meaningful music yeah. and actually we're not that different to Soundgarden or whoever. And, of course, that was the, that was the complete end of them. But do you remember just before... I remember one of the last... In my LA days, one of the last times I was there in that era... Um, they put out a single. They had a, a like a best of thing called Decade of Decadence. Yeah, they did. And they put out a single called Primal Scream. Right. And I remember watching, it was like one in the morning, and it, uh, it was the only time MTV would show it. And they showed the video. And I remember just thinking, wow. I mean, it, I just was like, wow. They've taken, with Vince, they've taken it to the next level. And they've kind of, they've kind of, in adjusted to this new kind of grunge reality because yeah. there wasn't the glammy, there wasn't the chicks. It was quite an abstract video and there were lots of kind of belt buckles and leather and really ob obtuse angles. And, it, and the track itself is really... I loved, I, I loved that track. It was so different. And I thought, wow, who knew? Motley Crue are actually... Mm. And then Vince is gone... And the whole shit house goes up in flames. Yeah. Um, until the dirt. I was the editor at Classic Rock in two thousand and one when that came out, and I had so many people in that publishing company asking me if I could get them a copy. Yeah. Uh, be yeah. People that had never even heard of Motley Crue. Yeah. Certainly, they had no records. Certainly, had no interest in records. Everyone had heard about that book, and it was an absolute masterpiece. Yeah, it was. But here's how we're going to end. Uh, well, not towards the end. 20 years later, nearly 20 years later, we get the movie. Yes. Did you see the movie? I did see the movie. See, I didn't see the movie. I, I, I just couldn't... I just thought it's going to be shit. Yeah. What was it like, though? Terrible. <laughs> was it really bad? It wasn't great. It wasn't great. Yeah, I think I said on, on a previous podcast, we don't want to keep repeating ourselves, but I do remember saying this. The only good bit is the guy who plays Ozzy, and he's exactly like Ozzy, exactly like him, and he snorts up the ants you know, <laughs> on that tour when they're on tour with Ozzy Osbourne. The rest of it, man, no. No. And what about the guy that played Doc McGee? What was he like? Oh, you know who it is? It's... it's David Costabile, who plays... If you're a Breaking Bad fan, he, he plays the doomed Gail Betteker, the, uh, the uh, um, chemist employed by Gus Fring who gets murdered by Jesse Pinkman. He, he, he is one of the major stars of Billions. Right, OK. Well, there you go. Great yeah. actor. Yeah, it's him. He's, he plays Doc. He plays Doc. He's absolutely the, the, you know, the sort of 597th person I would have picked to play Doc. <laughs> you know? um, and he's, it, to be fair, I mean, he's just a bit too mild-mannered, mm. you know. Yeah, that wasn't Doc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Doc told me he used to call Motley Crue savages with cash. <laughs> and he, he, that's, as close, Doc, that's as close as anything. Doc is a great phrase maker. Yeah. Uh, he said to me, uh, you've got to kind of do the accent. Sorry, Doc, if you ever hear this, because um, this obviously isn't your accent, but this is my feeble attempt. Mm. But Doc was like, you know, with Motley Crue, you got to remember, it was, either just, chicken, it was either chicken salad or chicken uh, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's right. I mean, he is, yeah, yeah. He's right. But, he, you know, will we ever see their like again, John? No. Very much. You say because, you say that because of the woke era. No, or? I don't think it's even that. I just think it, you know it was it, it was of its time, and that you know music is so different and so atomized these days. Mm. I think that kind of celebrity is impossible now. What um, about that kind of decadence? Yeah, because well, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, everything comes back, doesn't be, it? Because you could go back to the Roman Empire and say, "Well, that would never happen again." But it kind of, <laughs> sort of has in a different way. It'll happen again, but in a different way. You but know? I, I don't maybe think maybe after it will this pandemic. Be... Maybe someone was saying to me the other day, after this pandemic, people are just going to go nuts. I thought, are they? I don't know. Well, I am. 
I, I'm ready. I already am. I'm a mask off kind of guy. Yeah. I see it like Kiss. Oh, don't go here. You know, you know when they they took the makeup off. Yeah. And then they put it back on. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm 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 about putting the makeup back, back on. on. Yeah, yeah. So when this is all over, yeah. John, you and me, we're we're out there. Because I was thinking about Nikki and Tommy. Bit we're like we're kind of like. Because when they used to yeah. call them the the um, what twit the toxic? T- no, no, that was Aerosmith, wasn't yeah. it? The Terror Twins. Who knows what? Who they fucking call? knows? Yeah. But we're kind of you and me. We're yeah. kind of like Nikki the, and Tommy of the, the cra- pod. We're the crazy cats. We're the crazy crew cats. Yeah, that's of the us. podcast. World. Yeah. I mean, you even look. Like Nikki, I, I now, yeah. Well, in your chaps that you're wearing yeah, right now, you yeah. look more like Tommy. Yeah, bottom half Tommy, top half Nikki. That's the way I kind, kind of. Yeah, it's the sort of way yeah. I go about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you're also very tall. You're yeah. very thin. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, which one would I be? You know. And <laughs> oh, I, you're Vince I, all day long. I'm not just Vince. I am a fat Vince Neil, and that is right. something to be still. I think. Yeah, I, Vince is very aspirational character. Yeah, can you jump in at when I say fat? Can you come in like no, 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 no. Vince? No, I can honestly say Vince is way fatter than you, dude. <laughs> dude, Vince is way fatter than yeah. anybody at this yeah. point. Have you seen that I man? Have, I have seen. I love well, him for it, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He just does not care. Does yeah. not give a shit. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And that is Motley Crue, my friends. We will return. We shall return. If you liked this episode, be sure to leave us a review, share it with a friend, or plain old subscribe wherever you happen to listen to it. For full episode show notes, visit nofilter.media forward slash get your rocks off. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want.